chapter number one. And if you would, if you found your place there, I ask you to stand for just a moment in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Appreciate the goodness of the Lord and the opportunity that has been afforded us to preach the precious Word of God. Don't ever want to take that lightly. And uh, I love preaching more than anything in this world. It's the, uh, I guess you could say it's the love of my life. I'm not married. And uh, so I'm, I'm enjoying getting to travel. God's blessed us. I've been in two. I've been in four different states the past two Sundays, and uh, I just appreciate the goodness of the Lord. I'm a, I do work a job sometimes, um, but lately and uh, the past few years, I've seen like I've been uh, preaching more than I've been working. And so you pray for us that God would bless us and keep opening doors, even through all this Corona mess and uh, all the different things. I tell you, there's never been a better day for preaching. There's never been a day for church. There's ne- because people need it now more than they ever have. Uh, We've got to have some help from God. But Daniel chapter number 1, I know you know this story. I know you know the character Daniel more than likely. But I sure do appreciate the goodness of God. And I'm going to be long. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't already know. uh, But I want to be a help to you. It's my heart to be a help to the people of God to uh, challenge them to try to bring something that God would have. Daniel chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came... Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king." Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, of Meshach, and to Azariah, of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now skip down to verse number 20. The Bible says, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. But this is the phrase I want you to see today in verse 21. And Daniel continued even under the first year of King Cyrus. Let's ask God's help. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord. Lord, sometimes we get focused on the wrong things, but Lord, if you let us turn our focus back on you, it seems like it changes us completely, and I thank you for that. And God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for changing us. When we were lost in our sins and on our way to hell, you came by and you spoke to us and you brought us out of that horrible pit and you set our feet upon a rock and established our goings. Father, would you do mighty things in our midst? Convict sinners, help us. God is your people to keep our 
our heart right in these last days. God, there's never been a better day to be a Christian. We're looking for you to come back. We need you and we love you. Thank you for being so good. In Jesus' precious name, with much thanksgiving, amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing in honor to the reading of the word of God. I know I've read some familiar passages of scripture for you Bible students and casual readers that understand the scripture that we're going to deal with. You know Daniel is right in the beginning of the Babylonian captivity that time that God had said by his prophets were going to come because of the wickedness of the nation of Israel. And as I read through Isaiah, as I read through Ezekiel, and as I look at the different people that prophesied before this time came and before Daniel and them were carried off, I am reminded, Brother Josh, I look back at all that they did before God turned them over. I look Look back at the way a nation was that was supposed to know God and supposed to love God. God had brought them out of Egypt. God had gave them their land. God had given them everything they needed to be successful and separated and, and, and allied to a wicked and horrid world. But yet they fell in love just like our poor nation has today. They've fallen in love with false gods. They fell in love with wickedness and sinfulness and didn't want anybody telling them not to. Hey, by the way, I've never seen a generation that hates Bible preaching more than we have right now in our country. There's people, they want to live how they want to live. They want to go where they want to go, act how they want to act, live any old way that they want to live. And at the end of the day, they don't want you or anybody else saying anything about it. And they want to claim God as their God and claim heaven in the sweet by and by. I'll tell you something, friend, it does not work that way. My Bible teaches for those that are born again, for those that have been saved, God has made them a new creature. And those that have been made a new creature, the old things are passed away. Nothing shall never fail again. I fail him every single day. But let me remind you of this. I've got somebody in me in a wicked world. I know somebody's living in my soul no matter what may come in life. But I want, to, I want you to notice something amazing about Daniel. I'll give you three things today that Daniel was, was not. You say, what are you talking about? Look at verse 21. I'll give you my title and I'll give you my message and we'll go home. The Bible says, and Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Now, when Daniel was dragged off into Babylon, that was the beginning of that 70 years. That God was going to judge the nation of Israel, put them in Babylonian captivity because they wouldn't listen to the men of God. They wouldn't listen to the word of God. They wouldn't listen to anything that God had to say. And God was going to give them what they wanted. Let me remind you of something, church. One of the scariest things, they were God's people. Yes, they were. One of the scariest things, Brother Josh, to my mind, is to watch a nation that chose God. Our nation, America, chose God, wanted God, wanted His leadership, wanted His guidance. But now we have found that we found out that it's not always fun when you get what you want some of you have lived long enough to realize this it's not always fun when God gives you what you keep asking for I'm going to tell you something friend our nation's asked for a lot of things and she's about to get what she wants if we don't turn to God Daniel chapter 1 I love my nation that's the reason I, I'm so hard on her I guess I, I watch people sacrifice there's, some, there's several veterans in my church and I love them dearly and I've watched them sacrifice and I've watched them, them mess up their minds for the rest of their life on this side of eternity. Some have given physical ability up. Some have given the, the mental capacity up because they've seen some things defending and loving our poor nation. 
in the way she was in. But what amazes me about this is that Daniel chose to make some right choices in a wicked day. And God not only kept him alive, but God blessed him tremendously in that wicked place. You understand Babylon was the epicenter of religion at its worst. It was the height of pagan idol worship. It was the height of the wicked rites and rituals that are associated with it. And by the way, if you'll study it, it's not much different than how our nation's living today. I can promise you that. But think about this. It was the height of the financial wealth of its day. It was the, the height of the center of attention. It was the glory of the Middle East. I mean, it was, it was the place to be for business. It was the who's who of cities in that area and in that day. And there was nowhere more wicked and nowhere more vile. But through a choice that Daniel did not even make himself. Here he is in a place that he did not want he did not, does, you ever ended up in a place you didn't really want to be, but you know you couldn't help it for the time? You ever ended up in somewhere that you knew that, you know, God may have been working, and you wonder sometimes, I, I'm bad for this, and you look around and you wonder, say, what, God, what in the world are you doing with me here? I'm going to tell you something, friend. God, Daniel was a kid when he got dra dragged off to Babylon. Let me remind you of this. He had no choice in that. His fathers had sinned. His father's fathers had sinned. Generations had gone by. 150 years had gone by and they kept going wrong and they kept doing wrong. And now the children were having to pay for the sins of the parents. You say, what are you talking about? I'm watching my generation, Brother Josh. Our generation. I'm tw I'll be 27 in a couple weeks. I'm watching my generation. And the generation coming on behind me have to pay for some sins of decisions that mom and daddy's had to make. Or made, they didn't have to make, but they made. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Your sin does not only just affect you. Parents, your sin does not just affect you. It affects those coming after you. I promise you that. You say, what are you talking about? I, I know the blood of Christ can change generations. I watched him change and break generational sins. He can do it. And I know he can. He can still do it. But it's so sad to watch the situations of people, dear friends of mine, that are raising up, some of them in ministry right now, some men of God right now that have raised up in the most heart because of situations that their parents created. Daniel was in a situation that his parents created of no choice of his own. By the way, I don't want my kids, if I ever do get married and have kids, I do not want my children to have to grow up in a bunch of mess. I don't want my gener the generations after me to look down and say, and say, Papa, why, Daddy, why, why, why did you do that? Why did you go wrong? Why did you quit on God? Why didn't you do right? I don't want to lead my kids to hell. First of all, you, I got to give you my title. I about forgot about that. Y'all are making it so easy to preach this morning. Think about this. I'm dealing with it. You say, how could Daniel endure such things? And the Bible says that Daniel continued to the first year of King Cyrus. That is when. King Cyrus made the decree that the Babylonian captivity was over and they could go build that second temple. You say, what are you talking about? He made it to the end of the Babylonian captivity. God made him to make it through and God made him to prosper during those days in Babylon, though he didn't want to be there, though nobody else of the children of Israel wanted to be there, but that's the way the judgment is sometimes. Let me tell you, I'm preaching this morning on being blessed in a mess. Being blessed in a mess. You say, what are you talking about? Daniel was blessed of God because he made some choices and he made some things right in his mind and in his heart. First of all, I want you to notice this and we'll go. 
I want you to see, first of all, that Daniel was not conformed to the culture of his day. But he was conformed to Christ. Look at what the Bible says in chapter number 1 again. I want you to think about his situation. Now Daniel, was he was part of the king's seed and he was taken away during those sieging when he, they would lay those bulwarks around the city of Jerusalem and those, they would starve them out. They would keep them from coming in and out. They were doing everything they could to kill them. The situation was horrible. They took the young men and they made them into eunuchs. They took them and what they would do is I could... Best I could figure out, they took them and they put hooks in their back. They put metal hooks in their back. And each of those young men, and they chained them to each other. They would put hooks right here and hooks in their back. And they would chain them to each other and they marched them from Jerusalem to Babylon. Walking step by step, dragging chains. If you got out of line, of course, it would rip the people behind you and the people in front of you. It would mess your own body up. They took their ability to have children. They took their ability to raise a family. They took any hope they would have of running away and finding a different life. They had taken everything from Daniel. They took his hopes and his dreams. They took his family. They took him away from his own family. They took everything that he could ever want in life. And yet he made some right choices in a bad place. What? If somebody took everything away from you that you wanted in life or thought you wanted in life, would you still love God? I want you to see not only the situation, but the selection. The Bible says, verse 3, And the king spake unto Ashpen as the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning in the tongue of the Chaldeans. There's the selection. You know what they wanted? You know what the world wanted? It wanted the best of the best. It wanted church kids, so to speak, because they grew up in the temple. They grew up around Jehovah worship. They knew what it was to do right. The law of God was in his mind and in his heart. That's the reason he was able to make right decisions. By the way, why does the world always want the church kids? Why in the world does the devil try to take kids off of church pews out there to fornicate and live in adultery and live in a bunch of junk? Why in the world is it always the good kids? Church kids, those that have grown up, well, tell you something. We are in a day, young people, you listen to me. I love you. I preach to them all over the country, and I love them dearly. Let me tell you something. We are living in one of the wickedest places in the country right now. There's sin thrown at you every single... I went through public school. I know what it's like. I'm going to tell you something, friend. We are living in what people are going to throw stuff at you. Sin is going to the devil, the world, the flesh, whatever is going to throw temptation at you left and right. Parents, it seems like there's never been a worse day for temptation in our generation. But I'm going to tell you something. You can do right. And nobody else does. There's the selection. Why is it always those king's seed? That's what the world wants. Those that are supposed to be saved. You know, there's nothing more devastating than the cause of Christ. Than watching some young person that's professed to get saved and they have genuinely been born again, but they get hooked up in some mess and their life gets totally wrecked. I've watched it. I've seen it with my own, people out of my own youth group. There's been preachers that I started out with that are not, even even at our young age, they're still they're not in it now. They've taught, they've turned and gone to the world. There's young people I used to sing. They're living in the worst imaginable sins you could think of right now. That I used to sing with in youth choirs and shout with and cry with and, and pray with and all this. And you say, how in the world? It's a horrid testimony. It's a horrid testimony. I'm sick of it too. There's the situation. There's the selection. There's the separation. 
Notice what the Bible says. Children in whom was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning. So you know what the world teaching of that language of the Chaldeans was? It was not only the language, but it was the culture. See, what, what they were trying to do, Daniel was in his early teen, if that, I mean 11, 12, 13 years old, and going off here, and, and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are going with him. These young men, they were young and impressionable. That's why you need to be careful what you allow your kids to learn from the world. Because it will affect them down the road. There's things in my mind, and I mean, this, is, this is nothing mean or, or off, but had my parents known some things when they were bringing me and my siblings up, there's no way they'd have let stuff in our heads that they did. And I know we all got regrets and we all look back, but I'm going to tell you something. There's things in my mind now that had they known, they wouldn't have let in our, our home. And there's no way that they'd be in my mind. I'm telling you something. There's some legitimacy to this. There's not only the separation, but... It amazes me there's that spirit that they had. Verse number 5, The king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nursing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and Hananiah of Shadrach, and a Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart. You can't make decisions for other people. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now look at what verse number 9 says. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. You know what that means? It means that Daniel took a stand with a right attitude and in these verses he comes to the one that was in charge of him in that horrible mess of a situation and he doesn't do it with a bad attitude. But he has a good attitude and he requests. I'm going to tell you something. The world will realize the favor of God on your life when you will start talking to them not like, well, bless God, you're going to do this because I'm a Christian. But when you have this attitude of I am going to do right and then you go with a polite and kind attitude you know what we're missing tonight I'm all for standing I really am I love it if y'all can't tell by now I'm all for standing for right but we've got to learn how to stand the right way we've got to learn how to have a good attitude and instead of fighting amongst ourselves we need to Learn how to stand right. But you know what's you know amazing? The reason he was given such favor in this horrid situation right at the beginning of this mess. He says, no, sir, I believe, you know, would you please give us 10 days of vegetables and water? And then at the ten, end of those 10 days, instead, would you let us be looked on and you look over us and whatever's right in your eyes, that's what we'll do. And so they did not have to defile themselves because they knew it would be defiling according to God's law. That's what caused them to do that. They knew it would mess them up in God's eyes and their standing. And they, even though they were in a wrong place, in a bad place, and not of their own choice, they chose to do the right thing with the right attitude, and God honored it. I've got to move on. Not only that, you see that he was not conformed to the culture, but he was conforming to Christ. But I want you to see, you know, you know chapter number 3, don't you? That's the burning fiery furnace. Go over there just for a second with us. I'm going to use two or three different examples from the life of Daniel. I usually don't do this. I usually take one text and go through it. But Daniel chapter number 3. 
And I know this is a long chapter and I'm not going to be able to read all of it and I'm not going to, but I do want you to remember this. Not only was Daniel... You say, how in the world was he blessed in a mess? He was not conformed to the culture. God, help us not to be conformed to our culture with the wicked music and the wicked ways of the world. I'm going to tell you something. You can live right in a wicked day. There's content, But you see, Daniel also was not controlled by a crisis, but was controlled by conviction. You see, these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are in this or in chapter number 3, and that's where we'll look in our focus for these few moments. You know what happens in chapter number 3? They set up that golden image in the plain of Dura, and it's there, it is a flat place, I mean, it's a, it's a giant place where they could gather together, and they were so, this king Nebuchadnezzar was so full of himself, and in this day, they were setting up idol worship on a massive scale. There were Jews everywhere that were conforming left and right. And in this time, Daniel and his men, I know Daniel's probably not present, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are present at this time. They're favored just like Daniel because of their stand in chapter 1. But now they're being faced with something they've never been faced with before. They were not controlled by a crisis. I'm going to hit this for just a minute while we're here. But it seems like people that are saved... And should know better. Are being controlled by the current crisis of our nation. And I'm not saying this to be mean. I had the sickness and I got over it. I did. I'm a survivor. Thank God. It wasn't bad for, for me. But it has been for a lot of dear friends of mine. But I'm, it is a real thing. I will say this. But I want you to remember this. God's people have never. Those that are supposed to be in line with God. Those that are supposed to be saved. You can look at the, the crisis that have come throughout the pages of history. Almost 6,000 years of human history. And you can look at every one that was God-filled. And those that were God-filled refused to be controlled by the crisis that was at hand. Because the situation creates fear and the situation creates... And I know we're in perilous times. I know it's the last days. I know it's dark. I know it's hard. I know. I mean, I've been laid off twice this year. I know how stuff like that goes. But I'm going to tell you something. God has proven himself more faithful this year than I've ever seen him. There's a challenge to their beliefs. You know what the Bible says? I want you to look at what the Bible says. Verse 7 of chapter 3, Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Then they said there are certain Jews. I'm going to tell you something, friend. They were not controlled by a crisis, but they were controlled by their conviction. You know what we have to have in our day, you that are saved? We have to have some Christians that are not controlled by what's going on out there, but we are to be controlled by the sweet Holy Spirit that lives in our soul. We've got a Bible that tells us how to live, tells us how to make it. The old Hendersons used to sing, I may not know much by this world's standards, but I know enough to get home. 
There's the challenge to their beliefs. By the way, there's going to come a day. There is coming a day. There's a sister church of ours in California. I don't know if you've seen it or not. There's a sister church, Brother Trevers, out there. They're being fined. They've already been fined over fifty-two thousand dollars for having church. They're burning the state down, but they they can't have church. Now they're being threatened with being arrested. They're still having church. There's going to come a day, and it seems like California sets the precedent precedent for the rest of the country. But anyways, every wicked thing that comes out of that place just filters its way through. But there was a challenge to their beliefs. Young people, you need to understand something. Parents, you need to understand something. There's going to come a challenge, and it's going to matter one of these days what you believe, and you're going to have to know how and why you believe it. You need to know why we use the Bible we use. You need to know why we live the way we live, why we try to dress the way we dress, why we try to listen to the right music, why we try to keep our life right, why we have a family the way it's supposed to be, according to the pages of the Word of God. There was, there was a challenge to their beliefs. There was a command to bow. What are you? Go- I mean, have you ever? I mean, have you thought about it? I hope you have. In the last little bit, it's kind of it's kind of freaky to think about. But have you thought about it? That challenge that they were facing, they were commanding them to bow down, and they're saying, "You bow, or you're going to burn." We'll kill you. Know what they, you know what they did to the early church? They came to them in Nero's day, and then when Paul died in different things, they came to them in that early church and said, if you don't stop preaching Jesus, and if you don't stop telling people about Jesus, if you are a known Christian and you're meeting and assembling, then we will kill you, we'll kill your family in front of you, and we'll, kill, we'll, we'll take your right away to own a business. We'll ta- Hello, does this sound familiar? They'll take your rights away to own your private business, private property, finances, I'm telling you something. The church was born in the fire. It's been sustained in the fire. And we've known a lot of ease in our day. But I really wonder if we're not going to leave in the fire. Not tribulation. I'm leaving before that. Y'all can keep it if you want to. There's a command to bow. But there's Christ in the burning. You know what the Bible says? Look over to verse 25. This is Nebuchadnezzar. He's already thrown these men in there. I mean, it's a deep place. It's not just a little walk-in furnace. It is a deep place. There's bones piled up for where people he, from the people that he has burnt. The Bible says, He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You know what they got to see in the midst of that fire? It was Jesus in angelic form. He showed up to rescue. He showed up to prove himself faithful. They stood for right when everybody else was bowing down. The people they grew up with in church were bowing down, but they did right no matter what anybody else said. By the way, if you won't be faithful in private, There's no way you'll be faithful in public. There's Christ in the burning. There's the children of the blessed. The Bible says in verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. You know what will happen? An earthly, pagan, wretched, filthy king that knew nothing but wickedness saw God bless the faithfulness of a simple stand. That's all they did. Everybody else was bowing. All they did was still stand there. You may not have, it may not be a whole lot of effort. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe it took a whole lot to stand. Because God was help- I'm going to tell you, it will require some choices. You're going to have to make some choices. It may be a small stand. It may be something simple in your life that God's dealing with you about standing for right on. 
But I'm going to promise you it'll be worth it in the end. I want you to go to one more place. Daniel chapter 6. You know this. Daniel chapter number 6. And I, I typically don't do this, but I, this is the way the Lord gave this. Talking about being blessed in a mess. Daniel was not conformed to the culture in chapter 1, but he was conforming to the image of Christ. The, and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were not controlled by a crisis, but they were controlled by conviction. And then lastly, as we look back at Daniel one more time, and you know the story of Daniel 6. This is the story of Daniel and the lion's den, the account thereof. Daniel was not consumed by conspiracy, but he was consumed by his consecration to God. Now, Daniel is an older man by chapter number 6. He's made it through a few kings now. And he is in his place. He's in position. God is favoring and blessing him and the other Hebrew boys that are doing right. But they were not consumed by this. And what happens was that Daniel was over all the presidents and princes. I mean, he was over everybody except the king. He was second in command. And he was so blessed that other people began to hate his guts. Y'all understand what that is. Sometimes when you're, the real test of your character is how you respond when other people get blessed. I'm going to tell you something. It's hard sometimes when you're watching other people enjoy good. I mean, they're, real, they're serving. But I'm going to tell you, the real test of your character is how you react when other people get blessed. But anyway, you see the faithfulness of Daniel. The Bible says that they, go, they, they knew that they couldn't find an occasion against him concerning anything else so they knew they would have to change the laws of the land against the laws of God because they knew Daniel would stand with God and that's the only way they could pin him down God help us to have such a testimony but then as you find this in the text Daniel Daniel proved himself faithful because when they signed the decree and it was known throughout the land that said anybody that bows down and prays to anybody else they're going to be thrown into the den of lions you know what Daniel did he didn't get mad and he didn't get puffed up. And he didn't snub his nose and he didn't do anything mean as far as that goes out of the way. But you know what he did? He just went back and prayed like he always did. It was business as usual for Daniel. It was normal status quo, everyday living for God. He bowed in front of that window facing back towards home, facing back towards church, facing back to where he knew he's supposed to be and where God was going to take him one day. But let me remind you of this. He just stayed faithful. His consistency convicted the rest. Does your consistency convict anybody? Do we have any consistency in our day? Are we challenged? Are other people challenged because of our faithfulness? You know what the world's looking for? They're not looking for the huge and miraculous and mighty that we think of, the big. They're looking for somebody that will put it in shoe leather tomorrow morning and do right and be steady and be faithful on the job and raising your family and all these other things and just be steady and be faithful and be godly and be holy and pray and walk with God. That's what they're looking for. They want something different. They don't really care about the sweet by and by. You know, you know that? You ever met a sinner that really cares about the sweet? They care about how to live in the nasty now and now. They won't want it. They don't really care about how, how, how high you jump on Sunday and how loud you shout. They don't really give a rip about how, how loud I preach on Sunday. And that ain't the thing. All they care about is how straight I walk and how much I care on Monday. There was faithfulness of Daniel, but it caused fury in his enemies. 
They were exceeding wroth. They were mad. They were angry. They signed it. They said, well, we'll deal with this. The lions will spit him out. Show him up and spit him out. There was fury. He was not consumed by a conspiracy because you know what happened? Look, at, look down in chapter 6 with me if you want to. Verse 21, then Daniel said unto the king, so he's in the den of lions and the king's been up all night because he can't sleep because he didn't realize he thought about, he signed something before he thought about it. Anybody ever done that? He said to Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. You see the futility of their plan. Child of God, remember this. The plan that they formed against Daniel could not work because God was on Daniel's side. Daniel was faithful. I know God's a big God. He is wonderful and he is sovereign and powerful. But I'm going to tell you something. He loves it when his people are faithful in a bad situation. You say it's easy. I'm going to tell you it's real easy. Last year when everything was rolling good and the economy's booming and jobs are going and opportunities are open. I'm going to tell you it's real easy to be faithful when the bank account's full. It's real easy to be faithful when everybody's healthy and everything's wonderful. But you wait till the bottom falls out and you're in a mess and you don't know where you got to or how you got there, that's when faithfulness is really going to matter. And that's when it's going to be futile for those that are going to come against you, whether it be demonic forces or human forces, it does not matter. He was not consumed by conspiracy. He was consumed by his consecration. He went back and just prayed again. He'd probably do us good. Just go back and pray again. You say, well, well, Daniel was feeling the glory bumps every time he went over and prayed. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't know why we got this thing in our head. Like every time we're supposed to walk into the throne of grace, we're supposed to feel the Shekinah glory rest on our shoulders. I'm going to tell you something. There's been a lot of days I've walked in and it felt like I was the only one in the room. But there came a time, there's been some times, when I just went back and just stayed faithful and just stayed faithful in prayer that God showed up again. By the way, he's there. He, a lot of times, his, don't you mistake the silences of God. A lot of times, you know what we're bad for? We think the silences of God means the anger of God. Well, sometimes it is. But if there's no known sin in your life and you've got everything confessed, the silences of God are for our growth. A lot of times, the silences of God are to attune our listening to His voice, to get our hearts more tender so we'll hear Him again. I want you to see this. There's a finish to Daniel. Look at verse 28. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Cyrus the Persian, like we said, was the man that God used to allow the building of that second temple. There's coming a third temple one of these days, just so you know. I want you to remember that. There was, he was not consumed by conspiracy. There's the faithfulness, the fury, the futility. Daniel made it to the other side of that horrid situation with the touch of God with happiness in his soul. You know what the world wants to see? They want to see a satisfied Christian. I'm asking you, ever head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment? Sis, if you'd come to the piano just a second. I'm asking you, in this moment, while nobody's looking around, is there a mess in your life?
it's amazing that we're the slowest to admit, at least I am, we're the slowest to admit when we've got a mess. Do you understand God is the God of a mess? There's bad situations all around us this morning, but there's a God in heaven. If you're born again, there's a God in heaven that wants you to stay faithful more than anything. He's given you everything you need to be faithful in this day. Though others may fall out, though others may fail, though others may choose to walk away, right here before Jesus comes back, are you going to make it? Why don't you slip around the altar as we stand across the building, nobody looking around. Pastor's coming to finish the invitation as he sees fit, but the burden of my heart today is God stirred this again in me. Daniel's one of my favorite characters. You say, it's impossible to live that straight and live that right in a wicked day. Oh, no, 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 it's not. You say, it's never been, there's never been a more wicked day. He said, as it was in the days of Lot, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be again. Friend, we are on the doorstep of being just like they were if we're not already there. I'm going to tell you something. It does pay to serve God. It does matter to be faithful. One of these days, He's not going to look around at us when we come to the judgment seat of Christ, we that are saved. He's not going to come to us and say, Well done, thou most extravagant and wonderful servant. No, He's going to say, Well done, if you've done well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It matters, friend. It matters. We're going to continue towards a darker and a more difficult day. We're going to have to rely on one another more. And I'll tell you what, that's, it's kind of a good thing. It's a blessing in disguise because our generation, especially that we see today, we don't have that reliance on one another like generations before. So we thank you. We'll pray and be dismissed. Have a wonderful day. If we can do anything for you, let us know. Thank you for your coming and being in the house of the Lord. And uh, we'll be praying for you this week. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. <clears throat> God, we just pray that you would just take each and every heart and soul in this house this morning. God, we pray that you would just bless them. Lord, we thank you for answered prayers. God, we thank you for miracles and things that you do that you, only you have the power to do. Only you can make certain things happen. Only you can bring things together in the way that they need to, to happen. God, and we know it's all, everything is by you, and you're allowing those things happen. And God, I pray that we would recognize that it's important that we make choices and decisions, and we live our lives to reflect the fact that we respect and know that everything happens according to your will. God, I know that we are just small be beings. We don't know or, or, or understand all that, that you do, but God, you welcome us into your family nonetheless, and we thank you for that. God, we thank you for the promise of tomorrow, not just an earthly tomorrow, but Lord, a tomorrow that's on the other side, a tomorrow that's eternal, a tomorrow that is forever with no pain, no tears, no suffering. God, and as we do suffer and we have pain upon this earth, God, as we are in a mess, as we are facing things in our lives, spiritual battles, mental battles, whatever it may be that we're running into, even physical things that we may face in our life, we know that it is you and you alone that can get us through. God, I pray that you would just take us this morning. God, I pray that we would take this bread of life that's been divided and given to us. And God, I pray that we would grow from it. Lord, we thank you for it. And we just pray, God, that you would just bless us as we go uh, throughout the rest of our day. We love you and thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God didn't call me to sing. I tell people that God didn't call me to sing. He called me to preach.
Um, so uh, I'm going to try my best. I've already preached once this morning, had a great time with my voice. Um, I have to kind of take it easy sometimes. So you pray that God will touch us, and uh, I believe he will. But I think I'm thankful for his goodness. Anybody glad they saved? All right, then, making sure. I'm just kidding. this morning brother I'm sorry I apologize I, I apologize that's the that's the joys of living in a small town um, that they hardies I usually it's packed out do it this morning I usually when I go to the radio I try to swing by and get some for my family too but I appreciate the goodness of the Lord let's see I'm gonna try another one and if I choke out on this one if y'all laugh I'm gonna throw something at you you think I'm funny let's see uh, there's an old Billy Kelly song that I love. Anybody ever heard of Brother Billy? He used to sing, sing like a bird, too. I kind of envy him. 